Check Complete, a referee podcast, is an educational resource for referees by referees, designed to connect and develop soccer officials of all ages and skill levels to better serve the game both on and off the field. We're excited to be here today, Brendan and I, alongside uh, Jeff Swartzel, a pro assistant referee out of Indianapolis. And uh, we're super excited, Jeff, that you've taken time to be with us today. It, it really means a lot, and we're excited to hear your story. And we've got some questions that we're going to lob your way. So to start, to just kind of get a background about who you are and allow you to maybe brag about yourself a little bit and your journey, too, um, which is totally okay. You know, where are you from? I've already kind of shown my hand there. But how long have you been officiating? What do you do outside of refereeing? And then give us a little glimpse We've, we talked about that off air of just your pathway. We really enjoy hearing, um, no matter where referees are in their journey, how they've gotten to where they are today. Sure. Yeah. Well, first, thanks so much for having me on. Um, I love the opportunity to talk about soccer or any chance I get. So um, thank you for that opportunity. Um, as you said, I'm Jeff Swartzel. I live in Indianapolis, Indiana right now, and I've been um, a soccer official since 2011. Um, I got into the game because um, I had been a player my whole life. I was passionate about it. I loved playing. Uh, my father had played professionally. And um, when it came time to go to college, uh, it turned out that I was a better runner than soccer player. And um, I decided to pursue track and field at the University of Akron. Um, and when my running days were over, I wanted to get back in the game. And I found that either adult leagues were way too competitive for a guy that went to work on Monday or not nearly competitive enough. And, um, you know, my dad who had been an official really encouraged me to go get a referee license and try it from that side of the whistle. So um, that was in 2011. Um, I worked kind of locally in Northeast Ohio for a few years. Um, and my wife and I decided to move here to Indianapolis in 2014. Um, and from there, um, I just worked through our system here and um, got my first professional game in 2016, an NASL game, um, and then just a few, year, few years later in 2020, uh, my first MLS game. So it was uh, about 10 years between first whistle to uh, first MLS game. Wow. That's awesome. That's great. So uh, outside of refereeing, what does life look like for you? Yeah, I work um, in IT. I work for a pharmaceutical company uh, here in Indianapolis, Eli Lilly. Um, I support their quality management on all of their um, product releases and the uh, medicines that they create. And my department is responsible for making sure that they're safe and um, healthy for everybody to use. So um, the great thing about that um, is that most of the work I do, I can do from home or kind of more commonly from a hotel when I'm on the road for a game somewhere. So um, there are a lot of times that I fly out after work, I'll work a day at a hotel and then do a game that night and then fly home early next morning. Yeah, absolutely. That's, cool. that's key. I know we have a lot of officials that when they're leaving college and beginning into the workforce as young professionals, they want to continue the referee career. And that's always something that they struggle with is finding work that is um, accommodating for their referee passions. I know we run into that where we'll have college soccer players come back and referee and they're like, my job won't let me get out till five. I can't get to the JV start time at 3.30 or whatever that, that looks like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, we face the same issue here. Um, all of our you know, local high school games are assigned as a JV and varsity set. And, um, you know, we do find that those those working professionals sometimes have a hard time getting out on uh, for those JV games. And, um, you know, my my recognition for everybody is that whether you're a high school official or college or just a youth official, there's a place for us all out there. And if you love the game, um, you want to give back to it. You can find a way from the officiating side. 
So, um, you know, there's weekends, there's certainly late nights, um, and there's all sorts of opportunities to stay, stay in touch with it. We might need to soundbite that for a recruiting club because that's, <laughs> that is fantastic. I think sometimes folks see it maybe just from one vantage point and, and think that they have to fit a specific mold. But there is, like you said, a lot of avenues to get involved as an official in different aspects of the game. And uh, there's, we'll find a place for you if you're interested. Sure. Yeah. Well, you know, everybody has a different motivation. You know, there's guys out there that are trying to make a few bucks. There are guys out there trying to make it to the MLS. Um, there's guys out there trying to stay in shape and be fit. Um, you know, maybe parents that want to know more about the laws of the game. And we have a place for all of you. There, It's all come, all welcome. Please go to your local clinics, get a license and, and give back. We would love to have you. That's right. That's great, Jeff. Thank you. Well, we're going to We've, we've got a little bit of your background there. We appreciate you sharing all that you've done. And we've heard some questions, received some questions from our audience and listeners. And so Brennan is going to start us off with a couple of those. Yeah, yeah, Jeff. So so Drew Klimt from Lansing, Kansas has asked us, uh, who is the most influential person to your referee career and why? Yeah, uh, great question, Drew. Um, you know, I could name a lot of people that helped me along the way, you know, mentors, administrators, assigners, um, people at U.S. soccer, people at Indiana soccer, and, and everywhere else in between. And what I find is that when you do that, you inevitably leave out a few people that were important. Mm -hmm. um, but the two people that were most important to me were actually pretty close. Um, you know, my wife, who um, has a demanding job of her own. We have a little girl here at the house. Um, you know, my trips often force her into being a single mother. And without her support, uh, none of this works. You know, her um, ability to manage our house and our lives when I'm gone um, is just something that doesn't usually get the headlines, um, you know, when a big call is made. Um, and the other person is my dad. You know, I mentioned him earlier. He was a professional player. Um, he was a referee in North Carolina when I was a kid, and I spent a lot of weekends out at the fields with him, and he would ref, and I would watch, or I would be the ball boy, um, and when I started officiating, you know, we would talk after every game. We would talk through situations and scenarios and calls, and um, he would come see me ref sometimes, and, you know, he was the first real sounding board I had to get honest, good feedback, um, you know, when everything you're hearing is negative from a sideline. So, you know, without those two people, I'm, I'm not here today for sure. Yeah, that's, awesome. yeah, yeah. It is very important to have a good support system at home. And it's not, not talked about nearly enough in our career. Gordy? Yeah, well, and the follow-up question to that would be, and I think you've already answered this, but Carson has asked about uh, those that have inspired you to become a referee. So is that the same thing or is there more that you'd like to add to that? Yeah, I, you know, there's certainly, um, there are certainly inspirations, both my wife and my father. Um, you know, when I was a kid, um, you know, 1998 was like the first World Cup that I remember watching, you know, from start to finish. I was a freshman in high school, and um, like every American soccer player at the time, I was a fan of Brazil and Ronaldo and Roberto Carlos, so I was following the team closely. Um, and little did I know, but an American official was in the middle of um, a controversial game with them um, called a, at the time what everybody thought was a phantom penalty kick. And, um, you know, the next day the images came out that he was a thousand percent right. And it was the first time I really felt this human element uh, that referee is Essie Bahamist, for those that don't know the story. Um, 
you know, and, and the story will come full circle for me. He handed me my first national badge, um, back in 2016. So, um, I always found his story inspirational, his, you know, courage to make the right call in the big moment, um, his conviction to stick with it, um, you know, were the attributes of what you needed to be good at this job. We've always thought that this podcast could make people laugh and cry. And that could be <laughs> moment, a moment. There. That full circle is a tearjerker moment. That's really, really, I'm sure that was an emotional thing for you to kind of go from watching this person to I'm, I'm here, you know, and he's yeah. handing me a badge. That's really cool. Mm -hmm. I am. I mean, I'm lucky for so many reasons, but um, you know, if I used to watch Mark Geiger um, on TV and I watched Howard Webb um, and I watched Jair Marufo. And now these guys are, you know, on my speed dial and my phone. And it's just incredible to think, you know, how far you can come in just a short time to, you know, really make your way in this business. That's awesome, Jeff. Thank you. So Carson uh, F. from Overland Park has weighed in a couple other questions here, which I think are great. These are kind of fun. I, I like these. What's, what's the, like a craziest game that you've done? Wow. Um, you know, when I was coming up, um, one of the opportunities a guy like me would get to try your hand at an MLS game is in the Open Cup competition. And, you know, that's a competition that starts with your kind of local clubs and it escalates all the way to MLS clubs. And um, you as your local, um, you know, Kansas League might end up going all the way and playing an MLS team for the title. Um, I was lucky in 2019, I refereed the semifinal. It was between Minnesota and Portland, and it was in Minnesota. It was the first time I had been in front of that kind of crowd, and um, I had a really, really close offside decision that went against the home team that they very passionately disagreed with. <laughs> and, um, you know, for all of my fellow ARs out there, you will never be 100% certain when it's that fast and it's that close. And I was sure that I had missed it. And um, the fans were going crazy. The coach had gone crazy. And I thought, I can't even leave the locker room. I have to stay back because I'm not wanted here anymore. And I was lucky to get a text at halftime that showed me the still shot, that it was the correct decision, renewed my confidence. Um, you know, but after walking back out of the tunnel and looking at the crowd right behind my goal, I thought, maybe I won't check the goal of the second half and I'll just, I'll go over to the touchline. And <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, that was certainly the craziest kind of moment that I'd been in, uh, at least up to that time. Yeah, that's great. So Carson also wants to know, uh, who is the coolest player that you've ever refereed? Um, yeah, I'll have to, I'll have to temper my answer. Uh, there are a lot of cool players in the MLS right now. Um, but, um, I, you know, I'll, I'll actually say around that same time, I got to officiate a Liverpool match, um, you know, back then before COVID, um, the EPL teams and some of the German teams would come to the U.S. and play exhibitions in their preseason. And I had grown up a Liverpool fan. Um, I was a huge Jurgen Klopp fan and just the whole team was awesome. And um, after the game, you know, we, it's, it's, it's just a friendly and it's fun and everybody enjoyed themselves. Um, Jurgen came to the locker room after and gave everybody a signed jersey everybody on the team um all four officials got one and i've got mine framed it's in my office now and um that was that was cool because these are guys that we only get to see on tv you know we don't get to interact with them here as much so um I, i'll say liverpool was the coolest experience i'd had you know with jurgen and, and his team 
I figured that would be a loaded question that you probably <laughs> couldn't answer, being that you are still very much in the middle of your career there. And speaking of loaded questions, we did get another question <laughs> from the spouse of someone you know well, who has asked, who is your favorite referee to work with? <laughs> you know, John Freeman is probably my favorite guy in the last <laughs> Um, uh, you know, it's, that's actually true. I, I do love all of our MLS officials. Um, you know, each one of them has a unique personality. It's fun. Um, I mentioned before, I looked up to Essie Bahamas as I was kind of coming through my career path. Um, and I modeled a lot of what I did after him. Um, you know, and unfortunately there's kind of fewer AR names out there that you would know. So, um, I really had to kind of focus on the referee side of the whistle. So, um, I'll say Essie for now. I, I love what he did. Like I said, I loved his courage and his conviction and willing to take the, the difficult role of calling a penalty against, um, you know, the fan favorite. So that, that'll still stick with. Absolutely. Yeah. It's before we move on to the next question there, it's interesting. We've had the discussion in different sports, um, about whether you'd like to work with one crew like football officials do. And this is going off script, Jeff. So I apologize. I said, I wouldn't do this, but here I am. Um, well, the way, you know, football officials get to work with their crew week in and week out and mm -hmm. the same guys, you know, who you're going into battle with, you know, every game and, and soccer and, and the other sport that do basketball, we've talked about that. Would, would there be benefit to working with the same crew or is there, and so I guess I pose this as a question to you kind of on the spot, but is there benefit to being able to work with the same crew every week or is it a refreshing opportunity to kind of gain different perspectives and, and work with rotate around work with different officials yeah it's a, it's a little bit of both um you know there is something very comfortable about going into a game especially a big game with somebody who kind of fits your pattern um you know i i call the game a certain way and i work best with officials who call the game the same way i do and there's something very comforting knowing what will a foul be today? What's a yellow card and what's a red card? Um, but at the same time, I and mean, we grow when we're uncomfortable. And so working with new officials and learning their tendencies, um, you know, just brings you a different perspective of how they manage the game and how, how they put place importance on different things. So um, it, it's a little both. I do love some of the consistent crews I get to see, um, but at the same time, you know, I love a new, a new opportunity to meet a new face. That's a great answer, Jeff. Thank you very much. Yeah, so on a little bit of a more serious note here, so Ricardo has asked, uh, did you ever hit a wall when you were climbing the ladder? And uh, if so, how did you overcome those obstacles? Yeah, uh, great question, Ricardo. Um, you know, being an AR is nothing but a wall. 90% um, of your games, nothing happens for you. And, um, you know, you can go a long time and throughout the season where you don't have big decisions, you don't have big games, um, and what I would say is that, you know, you make what you want out of your own opportunities. Um, you know, I certainly had plenty of games where I didn't feel like people were watching. I didn't feel like I was making a difference. And it's a chance for you to really re-reflect on how can you give back? You know, how can you, um, you know, make more out of what you're getting? Maybe it's talking to the assessor longer and asking other questions or uh, maybe it's, you know, making more connections with the referees and assistants on your crew um, and, and building their trust. Um, maybe it's a chance for you to show off your work rate and your fitness. Um, but I'm a firm believer that every single assignment you get, um, no matter what the level is, is an opportunity for you to work on your craft and do things the right way so that, 
you know, when you have that big moment in Minnesota, the place is going crazy. It's just muscle memory for you. You know, you're just doing what you've practiced a million times before. And if people are watching, that's great. And if people aren't, then they will the next time. So, you know, the, the, the wall is difficult. The road is long. Um, and all I can say is you have to keep doing things the right way every time, because eventually it will matter. And you want to, you want to have done it the right way that time too. That's great. That's great. My mind goes a thousand directions with that because there's such good tidbits in what you said there. I'll let it go because as I'm going to say here towards the end, this is not the last time that we will see Jeff. Jeff's going to be a part of what we're doing here as we move forward um, to provide continuing opportunities for education for our viewers and listeners. So the the last question that I will ask, um, and as you and I exchanged messages, it's appropriate that I ask this question regarding VAR since it is the Check Complete podcast. So my, my question, especially, you know, as we watch games, we see, uh, I think VAR impacts uh, assistant referees quite a bit in, in just having to delay the flag. I mean, I think about what that would be like for me to go, I, my whole life I've been trained to, I see active involvement, I've got all three pieces to my puzzle, and boom, I put my flag up. And then now you guys are being told, no, wait, and <laughs> wait, and wait, and wait. And then, so my question is, you know, going from doing games where you weren't using VAR and not having that opportunity to um, to be part of your crew that day, to now going to, you know, doing those games regularly, what was that transition like? Talk to us a little bit. Get, let's get inside your head a little bit with what that's like. Yeah, sure. Um, well, you know, first I'll say that on the surface, it's not a lot different if you're taking care of business. Um, at VAR starts with the on-field decision. So if you um, can get your calls correct and, um, you know, you're accurate, then you might go a long time without ever talking to the VAR. And that's, that's really what we aim for. The on-field decision is what's first. And if it's correct, then, then we don't even need those guys. Um, but you brought up, you brought up the big difference in games, um, is the delayed flag. And there is a whole, um, you know, series of decisions that go into whether to delay or not, you know, is it a goal scoring opportunity? Um, how likely is it that you're wrong? Um, you know, is, is it a close decision? Is it a far decision? Is he moving towards the goal away from goal? And all of those things have to go through your mind in just a fraction of a second to know, um, do I flag this immediately or do I let this play? Um, you know, for me, I was lucky that the VAR program had been installed um, now for a few years by the time I got my first on-field assignment. And um, it gave me a chance to go through those mental repetitions for years of what would I say and what would I do and how would I look and how would I act um, so that when my moment came, I had been through it as many times in my head as I could. Um, I did have a delayed flag in my first game. And the part of the game that probably scared me the most was that, and it was as natural as you could be. And I think a lot of it is just that mental preparation of watching the clips and going through the thought process and, you know, learning from the guys who had done it for years and years before I even got there. So, um, you know, but that's also just a small component of what those guys can help us with. Um, you know, the, the thing I had to learn was um, how to quickly – uh, communicate with those guys when I had seen something. And, um, you know, I'll give an example. Um, we had some off the ball contact in a match that I was doing and um, the player was holding his face and I had very clearly seen him get hit in the chest. And so the two pieces were not adding up. And um, I was able to quickly communicate to the VAR that we had contact in the chest and that we did not have any, you know, hands to the face. 
And when the VAR is able to clear that quickly, now we have this extra tool at our management to, um, you know, tell players that may be upset or that didn't see what happened or, um, you know, think that their player has been wronged. Um, you know, we can quickly tell them what actually did happen and, you know, whether the player is, is rightfully hurt or not. So, um, you know, recognizing those moments where, you know, getting and giving information might be beneficial um, was, a, was a big learning curve for me. Wow, absolutely. That's fascinating. Well, that, that wraps up the questions that we've received. Um, this has been wonderful, Jeff. I really appreciate your time. You know, are there any, is there anything else that like you're not going to be able to sleep tonight unless you say this out loud on the Check Complete podcast? We want to give you space for that. Yeah, sure. No, I, I think we've covered the high points. Um, I, I would just say, you know, the most common question I do get asked is, you know, what does it take to be a professional official in the in the U.S.? And when I was coming up, um, James Conley was um, the AR coach for Pro Two, and he was just a tremendous educator and teacher and friend to me. Um, and he used to talk about all of these different attributes. And you had to be correct and accurate and you had to be confident and you had to be professional and you had to be all these things. And he was right. You, you can't get to the MLS without being accurate. You can't get there without being professional. Um, but the last thing he always would tell me, he said that the best officials were those that cared about the game, the players that played it, and had just an undying passion for learning and growing in every moment of every game until it matters. So um, I took that advice and I, I think about that every day of just what could I do better? What can I do more? Um, how can I be more fit? How can I be more knowledgeable? How can I be more accurate? Um, and I think that passion for excellence is, is really what separates the people that make it and the people that don't. There are a lot of people out there that are accurate, accurate as me, um, and they're not making it maybe because of one of those other little pieces. Absolutely. That's great. Brendan, do you have any wise words for us before we end our interview? With I, don't, I don't know if I can top anything that Jeff has said, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave it at what, what's already been said. <laughs> Very good. Well, we do really appreciate it, Jeff. And like I said, we're, um, we're not saying goodbye. We're going to say see you soon because we're going to going to uh, see other ways we can incorporate you into what we're doing here and your expertise and, and everything. And then of course, if you're in Kansas city, we'll, you know, barbecue on us. So <laughs> let us know. For sure. Uh, I can't wait. Very good. Well, thanks Jeff. Um, we'll, we'll say goodbye, but uh, we'll talk to you again soon. So great. Thanks guys. Mm -hmm. Thank you.